Chapter 8. The Fight at the Lamp Post. Ho, Hempress are you? We'll see about that, said a voice. Then another voice said, Three cheers for the Hempress of Coloniach! And quite a number joined in. A flush of color came into the witch's face, and she bowed ever so slightly. But the cheers died away into roars of laughter, and she saw that they'd only been making fun of her. A change came over her expression, and she changed the knife to her left hand. Then, without warning, she did a thing that was dreadful to see. Lightly, easily, as if it were the most ordinary thing in the world, she stretched up her right arm and wrenched off one of the crossbars of the lamppost. If she had lost some magical powers in our world, she had not lost her strength. She could break an iron bar as if it were a stick of barley sugar. She tossed her new weapon up in the air, caught it, brandished it, and urged the horse forward. I'm Bethy. I'm Katie. And I'm Laura. Welcome to For Narnia and For Aslan. Katie has 115 college assignments to grade before Christmas Eve Eve, but she's still filled with Christmas spirit anyway. <laughs> Effie has been playing Christmas music nonstop for weeks now and is super sad to have to stop soon now that the season is nearly over. And Laura is sporting a new pair of socks she got as a gift from her housemate Miranda. Katie, who's Laura? Well, I have been lucky enough to know Laura for the majority of my life um, <laughs> because she's my sister yay, Woo, yay. <laughs> and she's also one of for narnia and for aslan's biggest and earliest and strongest supporters <laughs> we're super excited to have her here today welcome laura yeah, this is so fun. I've never done a podcast before this experience, and I think this is making me want to do it in the future. It's already just fun getting to talk with you guys. We're so excited to talk about Narnia with Laura and with each other and with you today. Yeah, Laura, thanks for being here. And before we get going, we have a few things that we want to let listeners know about this week. Firstly, the mystical music you've just heard is Dawn by Salt of the Sound. Secondly, if you're a regular listener to Fernarnia and for Aslan, it would be a huge help to us if you would rate and review us on iTunes. And also if you would share the podcast with somebody who you think might like it. And lastly, just like your grandmother, we now have a Facebook page. Come and be <laughs> friends with us. <laughs> but now let's dive in. We've all written some recaps for chapter eight. Mine says this. The witch is causing havoc right and left until Diggory and Polly manage to catch hold of her and put on their rings and accidentally bring Uncle Andrew, the cabbie, and the horse along too. Through a mix-up with pools in the wood between the worlds, they end up in a place that seems like nothing until a voice begins to sing the world to life. Lovely. Mine is very similar. I said... As the witch begins taking down policemen with a part of a lamppost, Diggory gets hold of her, and the two of them, Polly, Uncle Andrew, the cabbie, and the horse, all vanish. From the wood between the worlds, they go into a new world that is just beginning to be formed through a beautiful song sung by a lion. I love that. Okay, here's my attempt. <laughs> with Polly's encouragement, Diggory manages to touch Jada's ankle, propelling the whole group back into the wood between the worlds, and then to a new and empty place. A voice sings, which delights the children, Cabby and Strawberry, but horrifies the magician and witch, conducting like an orchestra at the beginning of a new and good world. I'm so glad you included the different responses of the different characters to the mm. voice. That's such an important part of this chapter. Yeah, no, I, I totally love the way that that's drawn out. Yeah, 
Laura, this reminds me of when you were little and you would set up all the stuffed animals as an animal oh, orchestra. Yeah, <laughs> and then you like they were each in their sections, the woodwinds and the strings, and then you put on orchestra music on the speakers and conduct them. It's so good. <laughs> that was so oh fun. Bethany, so we cute. have to fill you in a little bit. Okay, so this was like a Sunday serious afternoon. Business. Yes, serious business, Sunday afternoon routine. And I had this huge clear plastic bin of stuffed animals, dump them all out, spread them across the living room. And then I created these like cardboard mats for them and I traced them so they each had their literal spot. And I based that <laughs> off of like the format of an orchestra. So we had like the wind section, like we had like all the sections. <laughs> I would, we had these big speakers that sat in our living room and I would go sit right next to the speaker. Like my ear, like literally next to it sometimes and just listen to orchestra <laughs> music. Mm. And I think the music is just so important to me. Like it's kind of the way my brain works. There's always a song happening in my mind. So the, the singing in this is really special. Laura, this is so funny to me because I used to do something super similar, but you were really? so much classier than me. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> You have to say it now. <laughs> well, I would like assign all of my different stuffed animals and mm. give them like rock star names, but the music was not orchestra music. <laughs> like, <laughs> Fleetwood Mac and Nora Jones. And, Wait, that's awesome. And we like the that's not less boys. classy. That is not less classy. <laughs> that's amazing. All right. What else stood out to us? We've got the music that the lion is singing and everyone has different reactions to it. Okay, I was just checking out the action section when Diggory is trying to catch Jadis's ankle. He has to try three times to actually successfully grab her heel. And the first two times she kicks him in the mouth or like shakes him off with her foot. Oh. And it's just so gnarly. It's like they're really getting into it. It's not like a fist fight that's like upstanding citizens kind of like <laughs> going at it. It's more like <laughs> uh, cats kind of. And like it cuts his lip, Very scrappy. his mouth fills with blood. Like these scenes have a lot of that kind of action in it. Yeah, he's really brave to keep going. Yeah. He made a third grab, caught the heel, held on like grim death. <laughs> <laughs> Something that stood out to me was that Diggory two times in this chapter has somebody appear at his shoulder. And the first time it's Polly. And she's there to help. She says, quick Diggory, this must be stopped. And then he finds out it's Polly. Good for her. The second time is towards the end of the hymn that the cabbie leads. It's complete darkness, and so he doesn't know who is at his side, but he can tell by the smell of brandy and cigars, it must be Uncle Andrew. And instead of wanting to help, Uncle Andrew says, now, my boy, slip on your ring. Let's be off. Mm -hmm. And I just thought that contrast between the two of them was really interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Polly could have avoided the whole thing. She was off at her house, but she came back to help Diggory get out of this mess. Yeah, it's kind of extreme selflessness and extreme selfishness put into contrast. I think about how Uncle Andrew's interaction is definitely one that's trying to kind of tempt Diggory to. Right, it's the sneaky voice in your ear, like the demon on the shoulder kind of image. You have to decide how much credit to give that voice. Mm -hmm. Another thing I noticed, this isn't really connect to other stuff, but it's just such a great section from uncle andrew it's when polly manages to put on the ring and they're all disappearing and heading to the wood between the worlds all the voices around vanish but close beside diggory in the darkness uncle andrew's voice was wailing on oh oh <laughs> is this delirium is it the end i can't bear it it's not fair i never meant to be a magician it's all a misunderstanding it's all my godmother's fault i must protest against this in my state of health too a very old Dorsetshire family. 
heck? <laughs> he makes me think of the witch blaming her sister. True, yeah. A misunderstanding. Yeah, right. what is that even? I never meant to be mean? a magician after he's been bragging about it the whole book. <laughs> after he's been in his little magician's lair his entire life trying to be one. Right. Talking about how great his godmother was, and now it's her fault. Diggory rightly responds, Bother, we didn't want to bring him along. <laughs> <laughs> True that. Yeah, that would have been really disappointing. Mm-hmm. I have another kind of random quote that I had pulled. So it says, the cabbie, however, obviously the bravest as well as the kindest person present was keeping close to the horse. It just, Mm. I love that quote because especially the fact that the word obviously is included. Mm. It's like, Mm. everybody can tell that he is the bravest and the kindest person present. Like, obviously, like he is standing in front of all the others in that aspect. Like his, those characteristics shine forth. Yeah, well, everyone else is running away or trying to get away from the witch or smashing people with an iron bar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's taking care of the horse, trying to be friendly to the witch. Which would be a hard task. It'd be hard to be friendly to her. <laughs> the cabbie in general really shines in this chapter. Mm-hmm. You learn a lot about him, and he has really wonderful moments, really wonderful quotes. <laughs> there was a moment that stood out to me when he says, Glory be. I'd have been a better man all my life if I knew there were things like this. Mm. And I wondered, that's a beautiful thought, but I want to know what he means. What in his life would have changed? Because he's already such an awesome person. But isn't it the awesomest people who are the humblest too and maybe don't realize how, you know, how glorious he is? That's so true. We haven't talked at all yet about what happens once they actually arrive in this empty world. What it is that the cabbie sees that makes him say, glory be. Yeah, I mean, that's the best part of the chapter. (laughs) There's a voice. And in my version, it's capitalized voice. Yeah, this voice begins in total nothingness. And immediately it starts to create. I think that's so lovely that the first impression that we get of this voice, which later on we learn is a lion, the first impression we get is creation. First the stars all at once. And they start singing too, but it says it was the first voice, the deep one which had made them appear and made them sing. Later it says, the voice rose and rose till all the air was shaking with it. <laughs> mm. I can't even imagine that. And the sun rises and they see the whole world. The colors of the world made you feel excited until you saw the singer himself and then you forgot everything else. It was a lion. The whole section just makes me have the biggest grin on my face. It is such beautiful writing. The eastern sky changed from white to pink, from pink to gold. The voice rose and rose till the air was shaking with it. And just as it swelled to the mightiest and most glorious sound it had yet produced, the sun rose. Hmm. Isn't it cool that they can tell that this sun is younger, especially compared to Charn's sun? It's excited. It says you could imagine that it laughed for joy as it came up. Well, should we jump into our sacred reading? Yeah, let's do that. And for our sacred reading, we're actually going to be focusing again on the cabbie because we're going to be doing Lectio Divina. Mm. So Katie, I know that you've done Lectio Divina before. Laura, have you? Yeah, I've gotten to do it a little bit. This summer internship I was involved with, we did a little bit of like morning devotions and sometimes we would do Lectio Divina. It's such a fun way to steep yourself in a passage and look for different things, different times. So I'm excited for the way that you'll lead us through this because I found it really rich. Awesome. So for those who've never done it before, Lectio Divina is a three-step sacred reading practice where you read it once through just 
for basic understanding, you're looking for context, you're looking for words that maybe you need to find a definition for, you're looking for some understanding of what's going on. Then you read it a second time to see if there's a word or a phrase that stands out to you in the passage. And finally, you read it a third time looking for an invitation. And that is kind of a mystical practice. You may receive an invitation or you may not. But basically, you're asking yourself, is this text inviting me into something? Is it inviting me into thinking about something further or changing something about my life? Or is it challenging me to try to do something new? Cool. So the passage that we're going to be doing is, in my book, found on pages 114 and 115. It's when everyone has gone into this nothingness before Narnia has begun at all. And the cabbie says some really wise words. So step one, let's just listen for an understanding of what's going on and looking for context. And if we're dead, which I don't deny it might be, well, gotta remember that worse things happen at sea, and a chap's got to die sometime, and there ain't nothing to be afraid of if a chap's led a decent life. And if you ask me, I think the best thing we could do to pass the time would be to sing a hymn. And he did. So in that passage, what do we see happening? Something I see is that the cabbie is taking the opportunity that he has to frame their situation through his eyes. And their situation to others may be kind of bleak, but he's framing it on the positive side, saying that bad things happen, but you don't have to be too scared. And that the best thing to do in this case is to sing. <laughs> yeah, I'm amazed that they've just landed in a whole other world. He's traveled by magic. But he has a firm, calm voice, and he says, just a bit before this passage, no bones broken, anyone? Good. Well, there's something to be thankful for straight away. Just his whole approach is so steady and trusting, and he's grounded. He's a very optimistic fellow. Mm-hmm. But it's not just like a cheery, oh, things will turn out well, I'm sure. Like, he acknowledges we might be dead, but he's he's not thrown by it. Right. <laughs> even though he has a steadiness. Mm-hmm. Maybe hopeful, even hopeful person or joyful or I don't know but the deep kind right where you don't pretend that you're not in the situation that you are in you take it and then you add the the good news to that mm-hmm. it's pretty funny to compare what he's saying to what the witch just said which is my doom has come upon me <laughs> uh. <laughs> yikes I feel like when he's talking about my doom that just sounds like the way that I talk in stressful situations. It's <laughs> like, oh no, this is the end. Like, I can't, can't deal with this. Like, <laughs> if there's something bad <laughs> going on, I kind of get dramatic. So, but at the same time, it says that her voice was horribly calm. So, <laughs> maybe we all kind of end up somewhere between the cabbie and the witch on the scale of like <laughs> coping with difficulty. Yeah. Although we've got another option, which is Uncle Andrew, who says. You don't happen to have a flask about you. A drop of spirits oh, is just what I need. <laughs> he says denial. <laughs> and both the witch and Uncle Andrew are really, it's about themselves and how they're suffering right now. But the cabbie is talking to everyone, giving them all an encouragement, saying the best thing we could do together to pass the time would be to sing a hymn. And he and the children all do. Yeah, it makes me wonder if he's considering his role as one of the older people in the bunch 
and being mm-hmm. aware that there's younger people and what might appeal to them when he comes up with his plan of what to do, mm-hmm. what might be wholesome for the whole team, <laughs> not just what he would want to do if it was just him, you know, or maybe mm-hmm. it is the same. I love that idea that he's like, I need to take care of these kids. Hmm. Kids like to sing. I'm sure of that. <laughs> right. That's sweet. And they do. It says the children joined in. It was very cheering. Right. He's not like their parent or anything, but he's still serving a guardian role. I like that because it shows that we can all take care of each other and that sometimes these kind of strange situations happen where you find yourself with the group of people that you happen to be with and you kind of have to figure out who's going to be what for each other. When I was in Hawaii for a gin term that I was taking through Whitworth, we kind of had this really stressful situation where we thought that there was actually a missile that was coming to Hawaii. I don't know if anyone also got that notification. It was like in 2018, this whole thing happened where we thought there was a missile coming, but it was a false alarm and someone had pushed the button. But we were all kind of having to respond and act as though it was real. And so it was very interesting to see who in the group stepped up to what form of leadership And like took on what role of like either comforting or being direct and like practical and like getting the group over to this like high school um, that we were going to try to hunker down at as our like location. Yeah, just super interesting. And I saw people's true colors come forth like in that way. Like there was one person that I hadn't really gotten to know before and she totally like took the lead and like said like we should all pray and then we should get on the bus. And like she was she led the prayer and I hadn't seen her lead spiritually before, but it was a really cool moment and I think that that changed my view of her Hmm. what role did you find yourself taking oh yeah I think I think a lot about like legacy (laughs) so I think I was like thinking a lot about okay have I tied things up well with um my relationships with my family like if this if this goes badly like where do I want to leave things what is my mark but like realizing that I didn't have anything left I could do that I was pretty powerless so just trying to kind of like take in I was like looking out the window of the bus a lot and like trying to just take in the beauty and just be at peace with like what was happening, kind of just aware of what was happening and just wanting to like come to peace with it. But yes, somehow bringing that back to Narnia. (laughs) Um. (laughs) I mean, I perfectly see the connection. Mm -hmm. And with that, believe it or not, that was only step one. (laughs) So so step two of Lectio Divina, I'm going to read through it again. And this time we're listening for a word or a phrase that stands out to us. And if we're dead, which I don't deny it might be, well, got to remember that worse things happen at sea, and a chap's got to die sometime, and there ain't nothing to be afraid of if a chap's led a decent life. And if you ask me, I think the best thing we could do to pass the time would be to sing a hymn. And he did. Katie, did you have any word or phrase that stood out to you that time? Notice the word chap he used a couple times he's just talking about a person and I don't know it just kind of puts things in perspective it's not Mm. me with like all capitals like the witch or uncle Andrew it's just I'm just I'm a person a chap and here's what a person does in a time like this Mm. Laura what about you my eyes were kind of tearing up low-key because I think I was still thinking about situations when there's been more like life or death kind of in mind or at stake or at least I thought that there was and then when it says um and there ain't nothing to be afraid of just hearing those words those aren't made up words like genuinely like if you believe that like that there is nothing to be actually afraid of like how that changes something it gives you this courage that you can just like bear through something 
And I think that that just was really sweet to hear. How about you, Bessie? Mine is not at all as deep as yours. Mine was, worst things happen at sea. (laughs) (laughs) And I just wonder, what in the world could he be referring to that's worse than death? I wonder, actually, if this is a phrase that he's just used a lot in his life. Like, if we lose the farm, you got to remember, worst things happen at sea. Or, like, if the cab crashes, you got to remember. Like, it's just always, like, you know, we've always got things to be grateful for. And those that's, like, his example yeah. of, like, well, it could be worse. Yeah. Those phrases you build up throughout your lifetime that kind of, like, keep you solid for the journey. Because you can just pull it out. And it's not mm-hmm. necessarily saying anything, but it's saying something because you got it in your pocket and you're ready right. to share it. Those kinds of phrases, like, they kind of provide this assurance. Okay, everything is still moving forward. Like, let's keep chugging. Do you guys find that you have phrases in your life that you go to? Yes. If the shoe fits where it was that the first thing I thought. That's not one of them. <laughs> Do you have one on your mind, Bethy, right away? Yeah, one that comes to mind for me is something that I say a lot and I learned from a wonderful person in my life who always says, it's good enough for who it's for. (laughs) And (laughs) I struggle with perfectionism. I really, really, really want the things that I do to go well and to happen perfectly. And when they don't, I really struggle with it. Right. So like if the person it's for is going to be delighted with what it already is, you don't have to make it something that satisfies a, a different standard than that. Exactly. Yeah. And often the thing that I'm doing is maybe for me. And a lot of things are good enough for me. They don't need to be perfect (laughs) Mm -hmm. for my life to continue. Oh, yeah. So yeah, it kind of goes either way. If it's for me, then like, I'm not that important. And so it's good enough for who it's for. And then if it's for another person, they probably are going to love it just the way that it is. And it doesn't matter if it's perfect or not. There's not like some higher audience that demanding perfection that that we sort of naturally sometimes assume there is exactly yeah so it helps me push forward I like that Katie do you have any that are coming to mind too I guess the brand of phrase is like reassuring phrases sort of right yeah don't sweat the petty things and don't pet the sweaty things (laughs) (laughs) I never actually say that I just read it in a yearbook once (laughs) You never know when that application is going to pop out that there's some sweaty thing you have to remember. That you should pet. not pet. <laughs> God, don't do it. <laughs> well, let's hear our passage for the third time. This time we're listening for an invitation. And if we're dead, which I don't deny it might be, well, you've got to remember the worst things happen at sea, and a chap's got to die sometime. And there ain't nothing to be afraid of if a chap leads a decent life. And if you ask me, I think the best thing we could do to pass the time would be to sing a hymn. And he did. Do you have any tips for our listeners for how to hear an invitation or what that could feel like if you're being invited into something? I honestly don't. <laughs> do you? <laughs> I was kind of just wondering, like, if the invitation is just this little opening almost hmm. in your heart. Hmm. I don't know. Yeah. So what invitations have come to you? Mine might actually just be kind of what you described, Laura, of just a little opening. When the cabbie says, if you ask me, the best thing we could do would be to sing a hymn. And just hearing how wise and good the cabbie has been, that 
Oh yeah, it'd be good to ask him. It'd be good to pay attention to his kind of wisdom. Hmm. Calm down in the midst of this chaos that's just happened, falling into this unknown world. Just let's listen to this this guy that kind of is wise. Hmm. How about for you guys? I mean, I would say that the passage makes my heart feel calm, which I appreciate. And that's like Mm. just on a baseline level, um, which isn't a given in my life. (laughs) So, Hmm. and then I think what I had already said as well for the word or phrase um, from step two, nothing to be afraid of. Just like that, keep on keeping on, like keep your spirit uh, awake in moments of struggle and just kind of like, it's not the doom that the witch is talking about. Stay with it. Let's see what happens. There will be something good that comes next. Bethy, what's yours? I've been thinking about how he thought of what the best thing could be, and then he did it. Hmm. And I think my invitation is to follow that example. He just went for it and felt confident. Confident enough to sing in front of people. Yeah. That first note, he had to just be so brave to let it out. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for doing Lectio Divina with me. Hmm, that was cool. It's fun to try it out with a text that's not scripture. I've only ever done it with scripture. I actually have done it in an English class before. Hmm. Really? With a poem. How was that experience in English doing Lectio Divina? At first I felt a little weirded out by it, and then I was like, oh, right, we're just looking for ways to help us pay attention to texts, and that's why Lectio Divina was invented, largely. Mm-hmm. And if God wants to speak through it, all the better. Yeah. yeah. Why shouldn't he speak through random poetry? <laughs> or through a lovely Chronicles of Narnia text. But we also want to bring in scripture to compare and add to our understanding of what God's doing in this chapter. Our scripture today is from John chapter 7, verses 37 to 43. The thing that we're listening for is different people's responses to the Lord Jesus, just like there's different responses to Aslan in this chapter in Narnia. Hear the word of the Lord. On the last day of the festival, the great day, while Jesus was standing there, he cried out, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me, and let the one who believes in me drink. As the scripture has said, Out of the believer's heart shall flow rivers of living water. Now he said this about the Spirit, which believers in him were to receive, for as yet there was no Spirit, because Jesus was not yet glorified. When they heard these words, some in the crowd said, This is really the prophet. Others said, This is the Messiah. But some asked, Surely the Messiah does not come from Galilee, does he? Has not the scripture said that the Messiah is descended from David and comes from Bethlehem, the village where David lived? So there was division in the crowd because of him. Wow, that's such an interesting passage because I totally see the connection between this and our chapter today. Hmm. But I also naturally found myself wondering which person I am in the passage. Like, am I the person who immediately is excited or the person who questions? And I found myself wondering that in the Narnia chapter as well. What would my reaction be to seeing this lion? Right. The moment the lion appears in the chapter, the witch says, this is a terrible world. We must fly Mm -hmm. at once. And Uncle Andrew says, I quite agree with you, madam. A most disagreeable place, completely uncivilized. But then the cabbie says, Karen, you don't think you could shoot him, do you? And Polly says, and who would? 
very different responses. Yeah, I thought it was so interesting how the scripture also like calls out that this was division that was being created. Mm. Um, like people had varying responses, which would be like the opposite of unity. Mm. But I kind of feel like the cabbie is somebody who does bring unity because he acknowledges through the way he frames things, common experiences that people are in and that they're in. And then through singing the hymn, they are brought into this unity as well, which was upon his invitation to do so. And so I think that it's cool to have him as a part of the team because in seeing a lion or other things like that, it makes sense that there would be that division and people just just like, how do we respond to this? But I just like that he is a presence of unity and that even though we have the witch and Uncle Andrew kind of bringing this alternative perspective, everybody else is kind of brought into a common like hopefulness, I feel like. And I think that's something that Lewis cares about is how one responds the moment they come face to face with God. Because you see the characters and how they're already shaping their response to the little ways God is always present in the world. But I'm thinking of in Prince Caspian, Trumpkin's going to come face to face with the lion. Really, every character um, the Chronicles of Narnia, it's about their individual encounters with Aslan and then what they do about that, too. Yes. Mm-hmm. And some of them respond by being nervous or by being ashamed or, or something. But in the end, they're invited to accept his goodness or they're like the witch and Uncle Andrew here and, and don't want to accept it. Wow. I think that helps me understand what's happening even in the gospel in this book of John when they're meeting Jesus. It takes people different amounts of time to really come face to face with Jesus. Like Nicodemus, it kind of happens over time, for example. But that's what the incarnation is all about, is coming face to face with God. And same thing, he's saying, let anyone who is thirsty come to me. So what he's offering, it's living water. It's the answer. Within those lines... I hope that the people who wondered, well, isn't the Messiah supposed to come from Bethlehem? Mm -hmm. I hope that they learn that Jesus does come from Bethlehem. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like those are such faithful people. They, they know what they're supposed to be waiting for and they miss it. Mm -hmm. And it's just because of some oversight. And I hope that they're given the opportunity to learn that they have found their Messiah Hmm. and he's everything that they've been looking for and more and where is it that jesus does promise that that everyone who seeks will find that's right which is another idea that c.s lewis loves like i've read several quotes just from different things he's written about like inquiry was made for truth just like thirst was made for water he wants for people to have that fulfillment of their questions i like that that's so helpful Heading into this week, what are you guys taking as an invitation or an application from what we've talked about today? The phrase like stay tuned. Wow, that really pulls it all together because we were talking about like orchestra at the beginning and music. (laughs) Wow. Thank you, Lord. What does it mean to stay tuned? Like, okay, for me right now, we're on Christmas break. Um, I'm in between things. But this week we have family that will be together in a special way, even through COVID uh, circumstances. There's so much to stay tuned for both in like celebrating Jesus' birth, but in family moments. Like really, who knows like what the little things that fill our time will be. But in just life, it's a good attitude to have is like stay tuned for what's coming next and like be aware and don't tune out like the way that Uncle Andrew is like, you know, going to the bottle 
and that's what he wants or don't have to run away or mm. yeah just just be there and stay tuned for what God will do next and kind of have that mm. mindfulness attitude I guess if that makes sense how about for you Bethy well I've been thinking about how the cabbie decided that the best thing to do was to sing and so he did and that was one of the very first things that ever happened in this land that had nothing yet and then Aslan shows up and he starts to sing Mm. and I wonder if that is connected and if Aslan would have chosen to create in another way had the cabbie not started to sing that's beautiful Mm -hmm. yeah I guess I just want to be aware what are the things that I'm already up to that God is part of and I don't even realize it. Hmm. So like the cabbie decides to be singing and then we find Aslan singing as the method of creating. I kind of wonder what are the things that we are up to right now God could be joining in on. Um, Maybe like an ING word, like a present thing that's happening. Yeah, for me, it's writing and reading. Mm-hmm. And this isn't an ing word, but I'm about to spend some time with my sister. So sistering, <laughs> yeah, I'll make it an ing word. Sistering, yeah. What about you guys? We've got a good amount of sistering to do, that's for sure, because there's another sister too. Together, yeah. <laughs> I think for me this week anyway, it's a mix of working because like with that grading plus Christmas Eve happening and things, it feels like there's a lot to do, but Mm -hmm. that working is also in tension. Like I think a good tension with celebrating and pausing or even waiting Mm -hmm. because I've had coming up recently a lot of mention of this is a time for reflecting and looking back and looking ahead on what God's doing and just listening and that's kind of hard to do at the same time as frantically working but maybe (laughs) you can go with just regular working and celebrating yes I guess staying tuned yeah is a good good phrase again well is it time for me to read the last paragraph you guys it is I think so okay so while the cabbie and the children are focused on the lion They unfortunately have to avoid Uncle Andrew and Jadis, too, who are trying to get Diggory's ring. And it goes like this. Take care. If either of you come half an inch nearer, we two will vanish and you'll be left here for good. Yes, I have a ring in my pocket and that will take Polly and me home. And look, my hand is just ready, so keep your distance. I'm sorry about you, he looked at the cabbie, and about the horse, but I can't help that. As for you two, he looked at Uncle Andrew and the Queen. You're both magicians, so you ought to enjoy living together. Hold your noise, everyone, said the cabbie. I want to listen to the music, for the song had now changed. This was the beginning of the comings and goings in Narnia. See you next week with Chapter 9 of The Magician's Nephew. And thanks for joining us, Laura. Of course. I'm so excited for what will happen next. Mm-hmm. And now I can say that I have been a part of a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> We're looking forward to hearing the one that you start someday. Indeed. Oh <laughs> Stay tuned. <laughs>